This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. I'm Roshan Kunison and welcome to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build, manage and grow your business. Now, there are a few key prime shopping times of the year and the end of the year shopping season is generally considered to be one of them, filled with sales, promotion and consumers rushing to get gifts for the Christmas time. I was certainly one of them on December 23rd. Recent data from the US National Retail Federation or the NRF shows that the 2023 shopping season was a strong one, reportedly fueled by an appetite for beauty products, apparel and electronic sales across both the brick and mortar space as well as online channels. Uh, overall, the spend rose about 3.8% to $964 billion. And this is through the period from November till the end of December. Now, that's the US. But what was the situation like here in Malaysia? Lee Sun Yen, the Malaysia country manager for Adyen, joins us to break down lessons from the 2023 holiday shopping season, but to also look ahead at payments trends in 2024. Adyan provides payment services to large enterprises, which makes them well-placed to share insights on the retail landscape and how Malaysian retailers can win the wallets of shoppers. Globally, they also enable their customers base to leverage payments data to drive revenue and optimize efficiencies. I'm sure data is a key part of that. In the meantime, if you have any thoughts or questions, you can WhatsApp us on our YouTube mobile number. That's 018-789-8899. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks, Roshan, for having me. Uh, from my understanding, uh, formerly, Adrian has been in the country for just over a year now. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. However, before that, we have been working with a lot of businesses in Malaysia, out of Singapore, and it was timely for us to decide that, hey, we need to be uh, more rooted in the Malaysian market as there are more and more businesses are looking at innovation and uh, looking at how they can use data much better. I actually had the pleasure of speaking with Warren Hayashi on the Breakfast Grill a few years back and got to learn a lot more about Adyen. So it's very interesting to see the kind of value proposition you're bringing to the payment space, not simply just allowing payments to happen, but providing insights uh, to the kind of payments and I guess how businesses can act upon it, at least from uh, uh, from how they can drive revenue, right? And I mentioned that a little briefly as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think uh, all this while, what happens is that most businesses look at payments as a commodity. They would just apply for a payment terminal or they would work with a payment gateway, get it connected, make sure the money is in the bank the next day. However, there's more to, more to it. Payments can be part of the whole enterprise solution because, again, there's so much data within payments that can be utilized, that can be combined with whatever is available in the data warehouse to basically help the management make good decisions or even make very timely decisions real time. Now, so, so as we've come out of the Christmas and New Year's holiday period, um, talk to us about some of the trends uh, that you uh, were able to observe and see and how that, you know, uh, and some of the challenges and opportunities ahead for uh, that presented themselves to retailers. Sure thing. Good question there. I think the first few trends that we see, first of all, is even though the economy is not that great, we're talking about people expecting layoffs, we're talking about more diligent spending. However, from the last quarter, we see that consumers are more than willing to spend. Just that when they spend, they're being more savvy, they're being more diligent in how they spend. They, are, they know that they are open to choices. They need to make sure that they are getting the best deal. And also, when they talk about the best deals, it's not about the one with the cheapest price or the best offer. It is also the one with the best experience or the experience that 
you know, makes them come back again. So that's one. The other is also when we see sales rise, correspondingly, we're also seeing spike in fraud. This mm. is unavoidable. At the same time, this is challenging for a lot of businesses because, again, if during a normal day, uh, normal season, when the transactions happen, they already see a trend, they could have their risk settings done in a certain way, but that could really mess up when the peak season comes because the sales is going to spike two, three times and it's going to spike during the first few hours of the sales happening or whenever a good promotion is pushed out. So again, these are some of the challenges, but let, let me dive into the challenges mm -hmm. again. When the customers are talking about, hey, we're willing to spend, but they know they are spoiled for choice. There could be multiple businesses offering the same product in many different ways. And again, how do you make sure that they choose you as a business? So that comes down to how they could utilize data to give the right personalization to consumers. Take for example, if I am a consumer buying online and my preference is to use an e-wallet versus a card or vice versa, if a website doesn't offer them the right payment method, they could actually drop off the whole shopping cart. On, and on the other side, when you offer these payments to them, there is also an expectation on the consistency of how the payment experience is. Take, for example, a lot of websites in Malaysia, the moment you complete the shopping cart, you are actually redirected to a totally foreign payment page. As a consumer, if I recognize the payment page or the branding is strong, I will continue. If the branding is not strong, I'm saying that, hey, is this phishing? Is this scam? Because again, scam is so prevalent in the country that people are being a little bit more diligent when they get redirected into a different web page that has a different design in terms of uh, payment options. Uh, yeah, I, I admit that I have been one of those consumers in the past, right? You get taken to a new page and you're like, mm, this doesn't look, you know, I don't see any familiar brands here. I don't see, you know, it's not a Maybank uh, redirected website or something. Yeah. Uh, then you get a bit concerned, right? And again, then you see drop-offs and your conversion rate, uh, I would presume, would drop off. Correct. Indeed. And the the key thing is that having the right technology to basically embed these payment options into your checkout page and try to keep it consistent as much as possible whenever customers go through the flow. Else, there, there will be resistance basically even though it's the best price, they might actually say, hey, let's wait a little bit while Let's go online, research a little bit before we come back again. So again, that's one of the examples. There's also an example offline. For example, when you buy something online, how convenient it is for you to return or exchange it when you found out that the sizes are wrong or the design was not what you expected. So some companies does it well, whereby you can actually return in-store and within a few days, you can see the refund reflected in your account. But some makes it hard because again, it's not because they want to make it hard, but it's because their enterprise systems are not talking to each other. So take for example, I, I've gone through a few shopping experience whereby I wanted to return certain goods in the store and the sales assistant was saying, I would like to help you, but I have no access to the online system or the online warehouse. Hmm. So you need to call up the call center and they will send a ninja van or Lala move over to pick it up. Right, that's going to take a much longer process. By the time it reaches the warehouse, the QC check is done. 
that actually takes out another three, four days. But at the same time, when businesses actually allow the returns or refunds to happen in store, they are also co concerned about fraud, mainly because once I receive the goods, the goods were actually purchased with a fraudulent card, I could actually bring it in store to exchange it for cash because the system are not fully integrated, that becomes a problem as well. So again, the keyword here is that the main challenges a lot of the businesses are facing is not so much just about getting a right payment solution, but one step back is to have all their systems talking to each other in a very efficient way so that transactions could be seen not just as something we call omni-channel, which is you know, the, the payment happens everywhere the same way, but it should happen in what are then terms as unified commerce. Mm. The, the, com the commerce activity is actually consistent and same throughout all the channels that the customer comes into. Uh, a lot of this conversation so far reminds me a lot of the conversation I had yesterday with uh, Dion Song, uh, CEO of Love Bonito, because they were from e-commerce and then jumped yeah. into the omni-channel space, right? Very deliberately, very consciously. And they had a, this data-first approach. And when you do that, you kind of... Um, you, I guess you're addressing that that concern over silos or fragmentation where what you just talked about, right? The retail stores and the online stores, they are, they are systems weren't talking to each other uh, necessarily. Uh, do you see this as a, a usually an issue with brick and mortar companies that go online? Or is it is it equally, uh, e equally interspersed even with companies that are online that go to the physical space? The challenge is uh, both ways. Mm. So... From our survey last year, we find that only 10% of Malaysian business have invested into this so-called uh, unified commerce kind of strategy, while another 35% has the intention to invest into it. However, my caution is that a lot of businesses are looking at each other. They know that this is the future of commerce. However, they need to chart their own path. They need to know who are the personas, who are the demographics of customers that they are serving, and what kind of requirements they have. So again, without the right data, which on the payment side we could supply as well as part of it to the whole data warehouse, you need to have that data-driven decision-making. And this actually takes time because again, you can't be looking at one month, two months, you might be looking at the whole year, different seasons, and identifying, hey, who are our customers and how can we serve them better? And then you work on the strategy of, okay, how do we integrate all the enterprise systems together? And how do we work with the right payments provider to basically uh, cover the final piece of making sure that all the enterprise systems are actually integrated? Uh, Sonia, we've got to go into a few messages. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, how Malaysian businesses adapted their online and in-store experiences during the peak holiday season, as well as more on the importance of personalization and managing fraudsters as well. Folks, I'm speaking with Lee Sun Yen. He's a Malaysia country manager for Adyan, a payment service provider for enterprises. And we've been talking about the challenges and experiences faced by consumers during the peak holiday shopping season, as well as lessons that businesses can take from it. I'm Roshan Kinison. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Busy following money trail, BFM 89.9. 
BFM 89.9. I'm Roger Connison and welcome back to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build, manage and grow your business. This morning, I'm speaking with Lee Sun Yen. He's the Malaysia Country Manager for Adyen, a payment service provider for enterprises. And we've been talking about lessons and trends from the peak holiday season in December 2023 and lessons that businesses can take from that. Earlier, we talked a little bit about some of the uh, trends that were observed and some of the challenges and opportunities opportunities, as well as the uh, the systems at play that can, I guess, drive revenue for businesses. Um, Sunyan, from your experience, um, or at least from what you saw during in December and November, how did Malaysian businesses adapt their online and in-store experiences uh, in order to meet, I guess, the heightened demand for uh, during that peak holiday season? So I'll break it out to three. One is, of course, what the businesses has done online. The other part would be offline. Mm. And the third part would be the most interesting one, whereby they become channel agnostic, whereby they combine both channels together to give a very holistic experience. So for online, simple stuff, for example, tokenizing the card, which is storing the card details so that the checkout process will be much smoother, recognizing returning customers so that they can lower the risks as well as lower the steps to authenticate customers so that the checkout process would be much smoother. These are some of the examples. And back to the point whereby they need to build credibility to with the customers in terms of the whole shopping experience, which is on the payment side, they try not to redirect the customers away as much as possible and offering them the relevant payment methods. On to the offline side, Maybe what I can do is cite the example of what Sephora Malaysia has done. So we, we work with Sephora in Malaysia. They have basically revamped their in-store experience. They have removed all their counters as much as possible in mm. some of the new stores, whereby they have repurposed most of the cashiers into sales consultants, product consultants, beauty consultants, advising the customers, talking to them, interacting with them, as well as carrying a mobile device around to basically make make the sales happen on the spot without needing to guide them to a counter or to a queue. So these are some of the examples we've seen that happened over the last quarter when it came to the peak season. One most interesting one is definitely when we talk about channel agnostic. So basically combine both online and offline experience together. For example, when a customer goes in-store and the product is not available, they can still be offered the same product online, in-store, and the product will be delivered to their house. On the other hand, they are also making it flexible in terms of how returns can be done. Another good example I would say is the whole experience of some of the fast food chain whereby now you can actually order on your app and pick it up in store Mm -hmm. or basically sit down at one of the tables, scan the QR code. So again, this is how different businesses have different use case and they understand their their customers' behaviors well so that they will cater, they use technology to basically make it much easier for the customer to basically go through the whole uh, shopping process and uh, to to get past the whole shopping cart. So those are the key things that were observed in terms of their adaptability during the holiday season. Um, A key part, I think, is that personalization. I think we've mentioned it a few times here. Um, Could you maybe illustrate that a little further in terms of how um, 
how retailers should tailor their offerings to enhance customer loyalty, uh, especially during competitive seasons such as the shopping season. Indeed. So maybe I can start with showing a not so good example whereby I shop with a one of the retailers previously and on a monthly basis I've been given cash vouchers, discount codes, but for products which doesn't really fit me. Mm. So that that's one of the example whereby it's more of a general marketing, mass marketing, promotions and, and stuff like that. But for personalization what happens is a lot of these companies, if they have the data of their customers, their behaviors, they're collecting it through through the app, through the purchase patterns, and then they will curate recommendations in a much more accurate way. It basically gives the consumer a feeling that, hey, this business understands me well. And this business actually knows what kind of products I'm looking for. There's also a lot of implementation. We've seen companies actually put AI, ChatGPT, into the picture whereby they are actually chatting with the with consumer on the app. Mm-hmm. And whenever the consumer tries to buy something on the app and it's not available, they are doing recommendations based on that. They say that, hey, in the last 30 days, somebody who was looking for this product also bought the other product. And since we don't have this, why don't you try with this one? Or they can even use cameras and videos to actually show, hey, how does this lipstick looks on your lips? So a lot of these kind of uh, personalization is important. Whatever the businesses realize that, hey, if we can help the consumer make the decision much faster in a much more accurate way, we're bringing value to the table. We're going to create the stickiness. Now, with the surge in sales during the holiday season, um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, with that surge, it's uh, unavoidable that fraud yes. also increases, right? Uh, do you have any insights into into how businesses can distinguish between uh, genuine customers and fraudsters, especially in when it comes to the payment side of things? Okay. So basically, the fraud we're talking about here is pretty much about payment fraud, Mm -hmm. not so much about scam, phishing and all. But on payment fraud side, they they could happen in a few ways. First of all, there are fraudsters in the market. If you have two risk officers managing your risk settings for your online website, there's another 10 fraudsters (laughs) in a syndicate sitting in a call center somewhere trying to break that system. So it's always a cat and mouse race. And key thing is, how do we catch up or how do we make sure we don't left behind? So the key thing is not so much about fighting the fraudster. The key thing is how do we recognize a genuine customer versus a fraudulent one? So in order to do that, we need the data that, that comes with all the shopping. You know, We need to make sure that uh, we recognize this customer, we recognize their buying patterns, their frequency, and also their usual basket size and all. And this is, this is the challenge that most businesses have, right? In general, if you look at most of the websites in Malaysia during peak season, they will always make you go through a certain authentication process before they try to authorize the card. So this authentication process could be receiving a SMS one-time PIN or requesting that you go to the bank app to approve the transaction. When that happens, in our eyes as Ardian, we feel that it is additional step and we find that it's friction and it should only be offered whenever needed. 
rather than across the board, 100%, every single customer that walks into your, comes into your website, you challenge them with the authentications just to safeguard your business. But at the same time, what if the SMS server goes down? When, what if the bank is having maintenance? And a lot of times sales happen in the middle of the night at 12 midnight, whereby <laughs> a lot of maintenance happens as well. So again, recognizing your customer, if they are returning customers, whether through the same card that's being used on the same profile or same mobile devices and all, those are pretty important. Make it really dynamic, whereby in a way, it's, it's not about the, the frequency of the transaction happening purely, it's really about identifying the pattern of, hey, is this a real customer? So it is challenging. So having the right fraud system is important. Having the right people working on the fraud system is also important. But at the same time, retailers are just retailers, right? They're fo- they doing what they do best, which is selling the products that they have. They need to work with good partners in order to be able to help supplement this piece. Yeah. Folks, I'm speaking with Lee Sun Yen, Malaysia Country Manager at Adyen, and we've been talking about key business lessons from the just past uh, holiday shopping season. I'm Roshan Kanesan. This is Resource Centre. We'll be back in just a bit to talk a little bit more about security measures and seamless shopping uh, and also AI. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Burden-free Malaysia, BFM 89.9. The Business Station. BFM 89.9, I'm Roshan Kanesan, and welcome back to Resource Centre, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help build, manage, and grow your business. This morning, I've been speaking with Lee Sun Yen. He's the Malaysia Country Manager for Adyen. We've been talking about key business lessons from the 2023 holiday shopping season and what businesses and retailers can learn from it. Uh, Sun Yen, when we left off earlier, we were talking about security, about being able to tell the difference between a genuine buyer and a fraudster from a payments perspective. Um, and that's a key component, I guess, in ensuring uh, the customer experience where right? you want security measures while also being somewhat seamless and not yeah. having customers drop off. How do businesses strike a balance between implementing robust security measures and ensuring that seamless shopping experience um, for both online and physical stores? So key thing is to back to the point we discussed earlier is to really recognize who are the customers who have been shopping and the strategy should not be about seasonal you want customers coming in during the peak season these could be returning customers this could be new customers but at the same time you want to make sure that what happens after the peak season you want to make sure that they become a customer that you can retain that they're going to come back again and again when the key seasons come back again as well so some of the strategies that they could do basically is always to make sure that there's membership encourage customers to sign up as a member start building a profile and on the long on the long term when they see the customers shopping with them again and again that actually encourages them to the businesses to actually look at how they can make friction less and less for these returning customers. Again, the cost of acquiring new customers, as we know, is always very high. Mm. However, to retain them, it basically is the key strategy to make sure that the business can sustain. Yeah, and I guess with that retention also comes that the payment patterns, which then makes it easier to... to um, 
from a security perspective, from a payments uh, perspective as well. Um, now, I think it's uh, no secret that a buzzword of 2023 was AI and still continues to be the key uh, buzzword. Uh, can you elaborate on the, I guess, the role of AI in risk management, uh, particularly in the payment space, and how has it been in uh, effectively mitigating payments fraud during peak uh, shopping seasons? Yes. Okay, so the example in the past, how fraud management is being done, which is offline. What happens with the retailers in the past is that whenever a transaction happens, they will basically wait a couple of days before they actually instruct the warehouse to send it out. What happens within these few days is that they are waiting for notification from the banks in case it was suspected to be fraudulent. On, on the other side, they have a big group of risk analysts sitting in a room running through Excel files, doing pivot tables and all kinds of lookups just to find <laughs> patterns manually to see if there's actually a fraud syndicate trying to buy all these products and uh, resell it in the market again. And that has proven to be the the kind of model modus operandi that, that causes a lot of friction to customers because they're expecting goods to be sent to them as soon as possible. They've already paid. Right, they, they have to wait for the product to be delivered just to find out that, hey, it's only delivered three days later. So moving forward, AI, machine learning, these are tools that can be leveraged by the risk team. They're not, uh, they, they're basically here to help and support the risk team to come to a conclusion of an analysis, to come to a conclusion of a pattern so that they can make the decision much faster. So again, looking at past data, machine learning tends to be able to process and search for patterns much faster and also put in the recommendation. Again, it could be a hypothesis, mm. mainly because it's based on past data. And what if the past data is non-peak season and I'm going to apply it into peak season? So there's a lot of strategies around how they can apply these risk settings, put into 1% of the sample, 5%, 10%, slowly move it up and continue to compare with A-B testing. And these are some of the things that Arden does with a lot of our customers uh, globally as well, mainly because we can't be putting recommendations in and say, hey, apply 100% of it. Because <laughs> again, it's just such a dynamic kind of scenarios. By the time you apply certain resettings, the fraudsters could be already attacking other websites and not yours. So again, this decision to make it really real-time, really dynamic, you definitely need AI to be involved. Now, as the payment uh, landscape continues to evolve, uh, especially now with uh, AI and machine learning in the picture, uh, what can you tell us about you know, what you see in 2024, what you're expecting in 2024, and uh, the potential implications to Malaysian retailers? So we see two, we're expecting two things to happen in a way is the rise of using portable payment device or bring your own device, mainly because there there is a lot of business who believe that, hey, we should not be hiding behind the counter anymore. We should be making sure that our staff is walking around, having all the flexibility to consult, to advise, to upsell products to the customers. In order to do that, and also to in order to make sure that you know the transaction happens in a very smooth way, they need the devices and tools around them just to make the transaction happen, have the receipt printed, accept the payments, pull out the plastic bag from the bag and, and pack it up and the customer can go. Instead of guiding them all the way to the back of the shop 
whereby the counters are to line up and pay. I'm not saying there is shopping cart abandonment in those kind of scenarios. But again, if I was a consumer and I knew what I wanted and I've decided, but I still need to be guided all the way to another counter to pay, I think if I could have that transaction done on the spot after trying a shoe, that would be the best experience. So again, using mobile devices is not across the board for every businesses, but we do see businesses are actually embracing it mainly because they want to make the transactions a bit more mobile. Added on with Apple Pay and, and also the recent technology whereby you can accept payments through your handphone, through tap to pay these are basically strategies to, to encourage payments to be accepted in a more wide way and also in a more mobile way. The other trend we expect that to happen is nothing new. Companies have always been talking about how they can leverage on data. Mm-hmm. In the in a long time ago, they were talking about, hey, I have a big data strategy, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> but now they're slowly figuring it out. They are looking at, okay, first we need the data. And we need the data in a very consistent way, in, in a very timely manner, combine it together between all the enterprise systems, and that tells them a story. So if they are unable to translate those information, those information are as good as not useful. So again, putting data together to basically help do more better data-driven decisions is something that a lot of companies are looking at, mainly because they've seen it. A lot of online marketplaces at Lazada, Shopee, how they do it so well as a marketplace is all because of data. It's all because they know exactly what the consumer is looking for. They know the consumer's purchasing history, search history, and they are recommending it, or basically they're also giving the right advice to the businesses who are on that marketplace to say, hey, your product is popular to this segment. Let's market it more to them. So same thing for most businesses, retailers, brick and mortar, FMB. They are looking to leverage on data more and more to basically find their patterns and also understand the customer much better. Folks, I've been speaking with Lee Sun Yen. He's the Malaysia Country Manager for Adyen, a payment service provider to enterprises. And we've been talking about key factors in ensuring the best customer experience. We talked a little bit about the role of AI in risk management for retailers uh, and the retail industry, as well as what to expect or the two key trends there he's paying attention to in 2024. Overall, we've been talking about key lessons that businesses can learn from the 2023 peak holiday season, which ended just a few weeks ago. Up next, we'll get into leveraging payments data across a variety of channels to improve customer acquisition, as well as trends to watch out for in 2024. I'm Roshan Kanesan, keep it at a resource center on BFM 89.9, the business station. Being first matters. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. I'm Roshan Kanesan and welcome back to Resource Center, your one-stop shop for insights and strategies to help you build, manage and grow your business. Today, I've been speaking with Lee Sun Yen. He's the Malaysia Country Manager for Adyen. And we've been talking about key lessons that businesses can learn from the 2023 peak holiday season, as well as some of the key trends for 2024. Um, 
earlier we were talking a little bit about the key retail trends that you're seeing in 2024, Sunyan, and one of them is that portable payments, basically bringing the payment to the customer to reduce that friction. Uh, the other part as well is the continued importance on data and how businesses are going to be leveraging it in uh, 2024. I think one of the things you said earlier was, you know, businesses have had big data strategies, but not sure how to use them. So that's something that's going to be key here this year. Um, now, as businesses look to leverage payments data across a variety of channels at, a, at their disposal, which mm -hmm. there are many right now, uh, in a bid to improve customer acquisition and retention, are there any particular trends uh, that you're paying attention to in this particular space? So one of the key trends we see is that they are taking the payment data to combine with the overall website and mobile app data to combine together and see how a pattern how the the patterns of a consumer spending on so key thing is on the fraud and risk side the fraud and risk is not uh, basically they will look at payments data to make a decision to whether they want to block or they want to further authenticate the transaction or they want to delay the the delivery of the goods to, in order to make it much better, they take the payment data, combine it with the shopping data to hmm. make it a bit more holistic in terms of their decision making. So this is one of the biggest use cases we see in terms of how payment data is being used by businesses to, to basically help them with the fraud mitigation. And on the other end, they are also taking payment data to combine with the shopping data to actually look at the customer behaviors. What are the personalization they should be doing if they decide to revamp the website or they decide to revamp the shopping flow, they will actually ask, is my shopping experience, is the shopping experience we provide to the consumer smooth enough? Is there any areas that is dropping off? Are we, can we ask the question why these consumers are dropping off? And they take data from payments, they take data, data from shopping to basically look at it and say, oh, okay, some of these payment methods, there's just too many steps. Some of these payment methods are asking for the same information again, similar to what we've been asking them, or it's actually the same data point that we already have with the customer who has logged in with us. So they could actually cut that process short. So again, there's many points. It starts with the why, and you look at the funnel, and they start thinking about, okay, on the payment side, how do we look at this data and how do we look at what consumers prefer or why consumers are dropping off during the payment process to basically make much better decision? Now, we've touched on this a little bit, we've circled around it, but let's get into it directly. Yeah. Um, so, in how does Adyen facilitate businesses uh, in optimizing payments data for customer-related strategies? And the, what kind of impact does the integration of all this payments data with backend systems have on overall business performance? So, probably on the much more straightforward way, on the real-time basis, whenever a payment happens, we send the real-time data back to any endpoints or any servers that the businesses have. Take, for example, what if we are able to send this information back to their customer relationship management system, their loyalty system, and the loyalty system has an app that's installed in the customer's handphone. Mm -hmm. They can immediately serve them with further discount, <laughs> or they can immediately send a notification Thanks for shopping with us. Here's a 5%. If you're still in the store, buy something else and you get the discount. Maybe not 5%. 5% is probably too low. <laughs> right? yeah. 
So that's that's one example. On a much more holistic example, some businesses, one of these businesses that we work with in the US, what they did was because our payment data also have the shopping data together, they basically took all the transactions, they plotted the delivery address on a heat map, and they also plotted all the transactions that came from a store into the same map, and they were able to see a overall heat map of the whole city, where the stores are, how much transactions is happening there, and on with another color plot showing that where all the deliveries are going. With that, they were able to decide we need a retail store in this area because a lot of deliveries are happening there and there is no retail store within five kilometers of that that heat, uh, heated area. And they know that they're not going to cannibalize the other stores. They know that they're going to serve their customer better because a lot of them are buying online to be delivered. So again, that's again payment data and also shopping data combined together. And again, it's not about just payments data, right? If they do not have enterprise systems that's interconnected, it's really hard to pull all this data out consistently. And this is one example of hey, how we can use big data to leverage on decision makings and also questions that we have, which is where do I open my next store? Why are customers dropping off in my uh, booking process or my payment process or my shopping process? So again, it starts with that why. And from there, they need the data to basically, basically support them in the decision making. That's a really interesting example, right? A very yeah. illustrative in terms of actionable insights that companies yes. can take in order to improve the customer experience or to better facilitate lower costs because of deliveries, for example. Being able to see on a heat yeah. map, hey, we've got a hotspot here. Maybe we should be having a retail store here to to manage this or to cater to that demand. Yeah. Imagine if the consumer bought it online, have it delivered there, but they have to travel more than five kilometers to the nearest retail store mm. just to do the exchange. So again, like it's it's all about being holistic. There's no there's no such thing as online sales cannibalizing offline sales or offline sales cannibalizing online sales. It should be viewed as one Uni- so-called unified commerce kind of strategy whereby it doesn't matter where you're coming from, any channels that we serve you, we should serve you as if we're one. Uh, to wrap up this conversation, Sunyan, um, let's talk about the potential challenges that businesses could be facing uh, in adapting to the evolving payments trends uh, and how these challenges can be turned into opportunities for growth. What are you seeing uh, here? The key thing is tech, change is a constant. Yeah. So we see how retail has been operating 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. It's ever evolving. So the key challenge is the cost of investment into technologies and also investing into the right technologies in the right way. It's no more a IT budget. It's no more a responsibility of just IT or any system team. It is the responsibility of the whole company whereby the decision needs to come from the C-level. If someone sees that, hey, the competitor is doing this technology, we should, uh, we should adopt it. And that becomes the responsibility of one department, which is called IT, it's going to fail. If we talk about, hey, we've seen how our competitors are evolving, let's understand where our customers are coming from. 
let's understand who our customers, how do they prefer to transact with us. And on a very high level, whether it's the CFO, the CEO, the COO, everyone, the, the chief experience officer, they need to be together to basically understand, okay, this is how we're going to do business in the next five to 10 years. And these are the technologies we need. And it has to have the buy-in of all teams. They all need to work together. More often than not, we find that it's a little bit siloed. Operations <laughs> tells IT they have this challenge, fix it for me, and IT finds a solution, implement it, and then operations say, hey, there is a big paradigm shift in terms of operational procedure. We're not going to adopt it. So again, the main challenge I want to repeat is that innovations is everywhere, technologies is everywhere. The, the part that needs to be more holistic is that the whole team needs to decide it together. Yep. And that is, uh, as you've just alluded yeah. to, it's, it's easier said than done, but yep. doesn't mean that uh, that it's any uh, less important, right? So it's a key thing yes. to be able to break down the silos, uh, defragment a lot of the, yep. the thinking around this and work together in a, uh, the term that I guess Adrian using uh, uses, right? Uh, unified, unified commerce. commerce. Yes. Um, not looking at online as this this younger brother anymore and sometimes much bigger brother now but this total right at the end of the day it's bringing business to the business um, Sunyan thank you so much for your time thank you thanks Roshan folks I've been speaking with Lee Sunyan he's the country manager in Malaysia for Adyan a payment service provider to enterprises and we've been talking about a few things including key business lessons that businesses can learn from the peak holiday season from 2023 and outlook for what's in store in 2024 as well as some of the key trends and challenges that both businesses in the retail space and e-commerce space have to face and manage both in 2023 and ongoing into 2024 uh, I'm Kennison, you've been listening to Resource Center. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.